That's what you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 this morning once again. And today I'm going to finish uh, this series in Luke 1. Uh, we have uh, looked at over the last month. Uh, we started with Zacharias and we're going to finish with Zacharias today. We looked at in the first message in December of how that God had bro broke His 400 years of silence between the Old and New Testament when He spoke to this elderly priest in the temple that even though him and his wife were old, that they were going to bear a child. And we know this child would be known, known as John the Baptist. And he was going to prepare the way of the Lord. And then the second message was uh, when the same angel goes to the Virgin Mary and tells her that she will bear a child who will be known as Jesus and that he is the Son of God. And then the third message was when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, Zacharias' wife, and there Elizabeth delivers a powerful uh, prophecy. God, filled with the Holy Spirit, declares what this child of Mary would be. And then the last two messages was Mary's song of praise, often called the Magnificat, a beautiful uh, description of the salvation to come in Christ. And today, we come back to Zacharias. Zacharias was struck mute uh, in that first sermon, verses 5-25, through 25, because he didn't believe the message at uh, that the angels told him. He says, I'm too old. We're both too old for this. And the angel told him, well, because of this, you won't be able to speak until the child is born. And that's when we come, where we're going to start today. And uh, before we read, uh, begin reading, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the salvation that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, uh, help me, your unworthy servant, as I read and as I preach your word today, that I will be faithful under your word and ask these things in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We're going to begin reading in verse 56 to 66, but this is really just an introduction. Our main text is going to be verses 67 through 79, but it's important we read these uh, first few verses, beginning in verse 56. We read, And Mary abode with her, that's Elizabeth, the writer is talking about, about three months, and returned to her own house. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son... And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed mercy un upon her, and they rejoiced with her. Now we read in these three ver two verses how that Elizabeth, she bears her son, uh, John, he would be called, and her neighbors rejoice 
that the Lord has done this miracle birth and this uh, older lady. And then we go to verse 59, and it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. Now, let me stop there for a minute. It was common. It was according to the law. They were to circumcise any Jewish kid on the eighth day. And that's what they're going to do with, with this child who would become known as John. But they wanted to call him, notice they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. But then verse 60, And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. Because that's what the angel had commanded Zacharias in Luke 1.13. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. They didn't want to take, you know, they didn't want to, the, the mother, they said, I don't know about this, but when they gave... When they asked Zacharias, he wrote on the writing tablet, he's going to be called John. And then we notice in verse 64, and his mouth was open immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt around about them and all the sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea and all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts saying what manner of child shall this be and the hand of the Lord was with him look you'll see Zacharias his first words after being not able to speak for nine months was to praise God showing his godly character. And then our main text is in verses 67 through 79, where we read Zacharias's song of praise. It says, And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Here we see Zacharias's in verses 67 through 79. His, he's able to speak again. And it states here in verse 67, Luke records, that he was filled with the Holy Ghost. This is the third time we read of this here in Luke 1. It was mentioned to Zacharias that his son, in, even in the womb of Elizabeth, would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is John. Remember, he, he leaped in Elizabeth's womb when she came near Mary. Because even in the womb, John knew that the, uh, just a fetus, unborn child, he knew that he was near the Messiah. And the second one was when Elizabeth herself was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave these uh, and told of truths that she couldn't know except by the Lord. And so it should be understood, this filling of the Holy Spirit should be understood in an Old Testament concept, not in Acts chapter 2 concept, of the indwelling, but that God is giving both Zacharias and Elizabeth before him supernatural knowledge of the future. For it states when he was filled with the Holy Ghost, he prophesied. This is He's prophesying the word of the Lord that God is giving him. And Zacharias' song or hymn or prophecy here can be divided up into two parts. Very simply, the first part is going to be praise for God and for His salvation. And secondly, he prophesies about the mission of his son, John. And I think we can apply this song to the upcoming year. And so I want to entitle this a hymn for 2024 because I believe we can apply this song this uh, this prophecy of John, I mean of Zacharias, to our own lives, we who know Christ. Uh, he states, he begins it in verse 68 by saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, or praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Praise Him for what? Well, he tells us. He has visited and redeemed His people. He's declaring what the Christ child will do. Though only, though He's still in the womb of Mary at this time, Zacharias is looking to what Christ will do. That He has visited and redeemed His people. This is very similar. You, you read in uh, Matthew chapter 1, in verse 21, when uh, the, the angel spoke to, to uh, Joseph, Matthew 1, in verse 21, he says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. From their sins. He will save them. He will save His people. In, in, the John, in John's Gospel, 
chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, the words of Jesus here, says, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus came to visit and redeem His people, His sheep. Or as Matthew twenty twenty eight states, the many. Christ comes to... By the way, this word redeem can also be translated ransom. Christ comes to ransom His people, His sheep. He comes bringing salvation, uh, Zacharias states. Uh, the time of salvation has come for His people. And He is raised up, He states, a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. He's raised up a Savior from David's house. Uh, he has fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Now, uh, uh, he goes on to state, thirdly, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets whence the world began. So we see he's fulfilled prophecy. This was told to Mary back in verses 32 and 33 that from David's house would come a Savior. That he is the fulfillment of this. And uh, you don't have to turn there with me, but in uh, Genesis chapter 49, Jacob ha gives a old prophecy. When he's talking about prophets from of old here in Gen Genesis 49.10, Jacob prophesied what? The scepter shall not depart from Judah. He's given this prophecy regarding the tribe of Judah nor lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Out of Judah would come a Savior. Jacob prophesied. Moses prophesied in Deuteronomy 18.15 that a prophet would come. Even greater than him. And so this is... This is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, the coming of Christ. Uh, Zacharias knew this. And he goes on to, to state uh, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Now, uh, Zacharias may not have understood the everything, the total context of everything. He was speaking by the Holy Spirit about these enemies. Maybe he was thinking, you know, of Rome or of the Herods. But the meaning is even deeper than our physical enemies in this world, which he does come to redeem and save us from this world. Someday we will be completely free from this wicked world. But He comes to save us from our sins. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, John the Apostle tells us why Christ came. 1 John chapter 3 
in verse 8. And get my pages to come apart. He states, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God was manifested, came to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil in our hearts, in this world, destroy Satan's power. Uh, I saw up in Iowa, they, at their, where there was, uh, that this satanic group put this uh, satanic altar there. You may have saw it there in the Capitol where the Christmas decorations were at. Uh, and, of course, they, since it's on public property, they had, you know, they allowed it uh, because they already had, I believe, the Christian uh, and probably the Jewish Hanukkah, uh, what, menorah. I'm not sure if they had menorah, but it's usually kind of common. And then this guy came uh, who's a, a Christian, uh, said he's a Christian, and destroyed it, destroyed the whole altar there. He got arrested. And we can applaud that, but you can applaud it, but I think it misses the point. We need to ask ourselves why we came to a state in our nation where you have that there are people who put up satanic altars. You see, the, what the main altars that need to be destroyed, the main satanic altars that need to be destroyed are the ones in our hearts. Not going and doing violence and getting arrested and thinking you're doing something for God, but really you're just... You know, it comes across, all they'll do is build a bigger one next year. See? That's all they're going to do. Look, the satanic altars, we got to watch those that we put or built in our heart that need to be destroyed. Christ came to do that. He came to save us from our sin, to save us from the devil. Those are the enemies, my friends, that, that uh, we face each and every day. Going back to Luke again, he came. Uh, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers to remember His holy covenant and the oath which He swore to Abraham. That is, He came to fulfill the covenant He made with Abraham. If uh, back in, if you, if you, your Bible might have it, but it's I got a cross reference right there to Genesis twelve three. We're not going there because I know we've covered this already, but that that promise. First made to Abraham that that in him in his seed shall all the nations be blessed, and that we're all children of Abraham by faith in Christ. This Messiah comes to fulfill that covenant. Zacharias states, and then verse seventy four that we can serve God that grant us that we being delivered out of the hands of our enemies might serve God without fear. Barnes in his notes states, fear of death of spiritual enemies or of external foes in the sure hope of God's eternal favor beyond the grave. Oh, that's great to know as believers that 
Uh, this world cannot take our soul. It cannot kill us. The, we may lose our physical lives, but what's awaiting in heaven is eternal, my friends. You know, as 2024 begins, we don't have no control over what or what lies ahead. I was thinking about, you know, as a new year approaches, how in the past there's times when I thought things that were going to happen never happened. I remember back in the 19, as a child back in the 1970s and then as a young man in the 1980s, how that the Cold War loomed. Now, some of y'all are too young to remember that. Uh, but the Cold War between the United States and Russia, and there was a real belief there was going to be a World War III between the United States and the Soviet Union. Even our movies reflected it. Remember Rambo? You know, the movies, he's fighting the communists, and man, that was a big hit. Red, uh, what's Red Dawn, you know, uh, oh man, that was, you know, Russia invades the United States. Uh, it, was, it was a whole bunch of others. Uh, the Day After, remember that movie? Uh, it, it's dated now, but that was about a, a, the day after a nuclear war. Terrifying movie. It was real popular, and and back in the mid-80s, early to mid-80s, a lot of people believed that. We were scared. But then what happened in 1989? The whole Berlin Wall went down. <laughs> the Soviet Union collapsed. And we rejoiced, didn't we? Well, that was a good time. Oh, man. Uh, things changed just like that. We didn't know that happened. That was a good change. Think back... You probably can't remember this. Maybe you can. September 10th, 2001. The next day, a lot of things would change. Still affects us. Uh, I mean, it. who would have... Would you have believed on September 10th, 2001 that a bunch of people would get in planes and fly them into buildings? We thought that'd be a movie script, but it happened. Think back just four years ago. December 31st, 2019. Would you believe that in just a few months we'd all be wearing masks, you know, and uh, worried, I mean, and places being shut down because of COVID? Things can change, folks, just like that. We don't know what awaits us in 2024, but one thing we do have the assurance in is that Christ has died upon the cross that he came, he died, and he's risen. And that our salvation is secure in him. I hear people want to say, well, this next election, this presidential election, and next year is the presidential election. Boy, you're gonna, that's all you're going to hear the next till November. Probably even after November of next year. Most important election we've ever had. How many times have you heard that? Probably the last 40 years, every president, most important. It's, uh, I'll tell you this, no matter who wins the presidential election, uh, as Christians, I will tell you everything's going to be okay for you because of Christ. Uh, I don't know about this country. I didn't say about this country, but for Christians, this is not our world. We rest in Christ in an unstable world that's falling apart. It's evil. The Apostle Paul gave a blessing to uh, the church 
of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1. The first two, uh, verses 2 and 3. You can overlook this, but it's, it's uh, two comforting verses, I think, that, that we can apply it to our own hearts. He states, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Grace to you. Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We need that every day. And, the, and we're blessed from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. This world may... The whole country could go south, folks. We could be like North Korea before we know it. But one thing stands sure if you're resting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have an eternal hope, as 2024 states. Something the world does not have. Going back to Luke 1, Verse 75, he states, "...in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our life." God calls us as His saints to live holy and righteous lives, trusting in Christ the righteousness and holiness that He gives. John Gill noted, in, in his commentary on this, not in mere outward rites and legal ceremonies, but as saints served from principles of righteousness and true holiness. Uh, uh, we are to be different from this world. And we should remember that as 2024, that we are not of this world, but we have been saved and redeemed. And uh, that the words that he speaks here regarding the Christ child, regarding Christ that all came true, we can find comfort in. This was not an easy time that he was living in. Zacharias, under Roman rule, but he rejoiced and gloried in the Messiah. So should we, my friends. The world may rejoice and glory in the debauchery that was going to go on a lot of times here on New Year's Eve. And tomorrow, but we rejoice in glory in Christ. And then the the last part of this, verses seventy six through seventy nine, Zacharias prophesies concerning his son John. That this child, the prophet of the highest, will prepare the way of the Messiah. Secondly, uh, that he will give people knowledge of this salvation in verse 77. And verse 78, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to exalt Christ, which John would do. Remember, uh, John would later say, he must increase, I must decrease. That's something we should, could apply to our lives in this coming year. And to give light to them that sit in darkness. To give light 
to the lost. With 2024 upon us, I think we can apply a lot said about John to us. There's certainly a lot of things we can't because John had a special mission. How can we prepare the way for Jesus? Well, there's a lot of people that you and I talk to each and every day. It's been my experience in dealing with lost people that most of the time it's not like you may see in the way some people do evangelism, you talk to them one time and then they're talking then you then they're praying to ask Christ and Christ to save them. Usually it's a preparation time. They need to hear the truth that we have to they have to hear it over and over again from us that we uh, pray and witness to these people that we know not Christ, preparing them. Of course, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. And secondly, give people knowledge of salvation in Christ. I heard someone say that if you you don't know how to share the gospel, then just give your testimony. Look, I'm all for giving your testimony. That's great. But I'll remind you, your personal testimony is not the gospel. It's your testimony of how you came to faith. People have different experiences. The gospel is the gospel. It focuses on what Christ has done. That He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. That He died upon the cross for sinners. That He rose again the third day. He ascended back to the Father. People need to hear that. And that for all who trust in Him, there is salvation. That brings this third point, exalt Christ. Exalt Christ in our lives in 2024. Uh, look, we can, you know, we can criticize, and I do it, you know, the way others do evangelism. And there's a lot of bad evangelism done by many today. But sometimes we who are Reformed Baptists, Reformed faith, sovereign grace, we can fit up to the stereotype of being the frozen chosen. <laughs> Let's just uh, do a little critique of ourselves. You know, we can brag about people like George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, C.H. Spurgeon, William Carey, J.C. Ryle, and about what, what all they did. The question is, are we doing that? Do we have that same love of the lost to share the gospel to this world that is dead in trespasses and sins? In Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus says this this is to believers. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hid. I, I remember a long time ago, I was going over northwest Louisiana, going to Natchitoches, Louisiana. That's where Northwestern University's at. And you're driving through wilderness, and then all of a sudden you see lights. And that's the city of Natchitoches. All of a sudden it lights up. This was at night. 
hey, there's the city. We were just, seemed like we were in the wilderness. Well, folks, we're to be that light in this lost and dead world. Ye are the light of the world. Now, the light that we have is not our own light. We're like the moon. You may see the moon on a clear night, how it's shining so brightly, but that's not the moon's light, is it? It's shining the sun's light that's on the other side of the world, and it's shining it down to us. That's what we're to do in this world. We're to shine the light of Christ. Verse 15 of Matthew 5, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. As 2024 comes, let us shine Christ to others. Let's be evaluate our own lives. As Christians, may we exalt Him before all things in our life and share that good news of Jesus Christ. I ask you this morning, what people are in your life that you know, that you have contact regularly with, regular with who are lost? They could be family members. They could be good friends. They could be co-workers. Are you praying for them? Are you, do you have a burden to see them to know Christ? Maybe in 2024, you pray for them more. Maybe make a list, write them out on a prayer list. Pray for them. Pray that God opens doors to sh that you can share Christ with them. If you're here today and you're without Christ, you're not saved, I urge you that we don't know what awaits us. You don't know what awaits us. You don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow or not. Urge you to turn to Christ today. Believe upon Him. Turn from your sins and embrace Him as your Lord and Savior, even before 2024 comes. For He is our only hope in this wicked world. That's the good news, folks. It is good news. The word gospel means good news. It's good news to know that though the world may be given over every type of wickedness and it may seem that there's instability everywhere, wickedness everywhere, wars, rumors of wars, the government's corrupt, everything else. But Christ is the rock on which we stand. And, we can, and if we stand upon Him and we embrace and have faith in Him, we can stand just as Zacharias did in this wicked world that he lived in, so can we. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord God, we come to You today praising You and giving You honor 
and glory for the salvation that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is, 2024 has is about to begin that the world may be, Lord, just swinging and swaying. But you are the rock, Lord Jesus. And help us to rest, Lord God, in, our, in Christ. Not to rest in our own ways, but in Him. And give us strength, Lord, to be, be ones that share this good news with those around us who know not Christ. And uh, Lord, if there be any here today who know not Christ or any watching, O oh Lord, convict them of their need of salvation. They may look to Jesus today and believe. In His holy name I pray. Amen.